Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I'm your host, Blaine Padme, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello, everyone. It's episode 274. We are recording live on YouTube, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the training camp, uh, expectations, who should wear the C, what Doc's contract be like, and whatever else fills our empty brains. But before we get started, you're home, you're in Nova Scotia, you're visiting family. Well, they're visiting me. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, my nephew's getting married next weekend, so I'm here and, you know, I'm going to go to that. Our family's here. My sister's down from Quebec and uh, I'm here from Ottawa and, you know, good, fun time. Should be a good time. Should be. Is it an open bar? well, I'm not drinking, so I'm on a prep, so I'm not even eating. The, I'm not uh, asking for you. Food. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's an open bar. I don't. I don't think so. But could be. I don't know. It's an Elmsdale. I don't know. I don't know what they do out there. Elmsdale, yeah, definitely not open bar. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Oh, uh, so people are asking for the code to join in our Zoom. No. Sorry, uh, that's not what we're going to do. Uh, we're on the live. We will record separately so that we can put this out to uh, all the different platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. So while we do appreciate the comments that are in the YouTube chat, we, uh, we won't be allowing people into the Zoom call. Sorry. So let us begin. The first, I guess the first thing we can talk about maybe is uh Kirby Doc's contract. Yeah. What we expect. So what do you what do you expect for Kirby Doc? I'm expecting around two and a half on a bridge deal, two to three year bridge deal. That's what I'm expecting. Uh I mean I know Keiko got what, two, two, two point one, something like that. Yeah, and, and, I think it's two point two. Yeah, and they put up similar numbers, but where he's in Montreal, there's a little bit more tax. Yes, I know he gets paid in American dollars, but still, there's, you know, 
uh, I think he'll get around two, two and a half is what I'm, what I'm expecting. Uh, for how many years? Three. Three. Okay. Uh, I'm more of, um, I'm thinking more like a two year deal. Somewhere between 1.75 and 2.25, somewhere in that range. And it it gives them a little bit more leeway, I think, with the RFA years at the end of the deal. So that I think two years is plenty of time to evaluate evaluate them. We're, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Especially with no, uh, I... especially with Saint Louis being the coach and the style of game that he's he's going to want them to play, I think it fits really well with what Doc can do. Well, now that they have Monaghan, you can put them on a line together and because uh, it's it's going to come down to face-offs for Doc. Like, if Doc can't win face-offs, like, at least get up to close to 50%, then I don't see him being a future center. Um, and if that's the case, you know, at least with a guy like Monaghan there who is a 50 to 55% face-off guy, uh, you have that insurance that if you're, you know, you're on an icing in your own zone, you got a guy who probably wouldn't face off as opposed to a guy who normally doesn't want to face off. And then Monaghan can work with uh, Doc on that part of his game. Um, I think another thing Doc's going to have is he's going to get the minutes. Like in, in in Chicago, he got bumped down to the third, fourth line, and he, he played the wing there near the end of the season. Uh and uh, there's just a lot of changes with him. And I think that affected his game. His wrist, of course, affected his game. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what St. Louis does. And we all know that St. Louis has been adamant about uh, putting development over wins. Um, so uh, where he's not going to sacrifice development to get wins. Um, so, yeah, it, I think it's going to be a big learning experience for everyone. And I think Doc's one of those guys that's going to benefit the most from it. Yeah, if, in my opinion, the reason why his face-offs suffered last season, there's there's a couple of reasons. One, uh, the team sucked, so mm. Chicago was just horrible. Now, and the other larger reason behind it is that wrist injury. He didn't quite recover from it properly. I don't think they, I think they rushed him back. I know he played seventy games last year, but they didn't give him the full amount of time he needed to rehab and get ready, even though they were completely out of it. Uh, I believe that now with the long off season that he's had, he's had time to uh, work on his wrist a little bit. So I'm expecting better things. I don't think a 50% uh, rate is going to be where he ends up. I think it's going to be more along the lines of what Suzuki had when he was first starting out with the Canadians around 45 ish. Now Suzuki's above fifty percent, so you give them a little bit of time. That's things that they need to develop. Overall, I think the style of game that he plays fits in well with what Saint Louis wants offensively out of the team, and I think you're hundred percent right. I think Monahan is going to be a guy that they're going to graft onto his line to support him, not just for faceoffs, <clears throat> but I think having a veteran who knows what to do, who knows how to play a little bit of defense, who can mentor him in that position, will go a long way. Oh, for sure. And I mean, Monaghan, 
he's going to be looking to prove something too. So he's going to want to have a big year. And uh, I mean, I, I can't off the top of my head tell you what Doc's line mates were, but I know if he wasn't playing with the Brent Cat or uh, Kane or Taves, then he wasn't getting any points. Because um, really, they were the only guys getting points for Chicago. Um, yes. So at least he's going to be now – we're going to get into this later, but at least he's going to be with people that can help him with his point production, help him with his face-offs, help him with his two-way game, because uh, Monaghan's a good two-way center. Um, and and that that's the key to, to, to a guy like Doc. And I think it's going to – a lot of the guys coming in, like – and again, we'll get to it later, like even Caulfield, uh, maybe Slavkovsky, if he's on the team, they're going to – it's going to be a big learning experience. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, – St. Louis matches them up with a veteran, you know what I mean, that plays their similar type game or the game that he thinks that they should be playing because uh, he's very big on individual development, like not just team. Like, yes, we have a team concept, not a team system. However, as an individual, you need to know what to do. You know what I mean? you got to use your skill to make this concept better. And uh, I, I think that's what St. Louis is pointing to. And so you got a big guy like Doc who can skate, who can uh, hit, he can do all the things he needs to do. It's just getting the face-offs down, getting consistent scoring, and just seeing where this guy is. Like, you know, is he a 25, 50-point guy, or is he a third-line center that's, you know, 15, 30 points? You know what I mean? Like, where are we with this Doc? He projects to be the 25, 50, 60 point guy. Um, he's a third overall pick, maybe more. I'm just low bar. I'm low balling all the stats because I don't want to overhype anyone. Um, but they don't know. They, they, they don't know because he hasn't uh, had the chance to prove what he could really do in Chicago with his injuries and, you know, rough year last year because of his injuries and all, all this kind and because of the team was just a shit team. And, uh, yeah, so let's see. Not that Montreal's going to be a non-shit team this year. Um, but I think their offensive group is actually a pretty good group. So, uh, yeah, I think um, that's the big difference between the Canadians yeah. and the Blackhawks from last season. Yeah, Montreal's going to have a hard time this year. But offensively, they have plenty of support for these young guys mm-hmm. that they can, they can complement the younger players. Yeah, and that and I think that's what's going to be key, and I think uh, that's what's going to be. I mean, I think people are going to see a big difference in Montreal's offense this year. It's going to be a lot better, uh, and it's not going to be the reason they lose games. That's for sure. No, well, I mean, there's going to be some games where they they didn't get that goal they needed near the end well, or whatever. But yeah, yeah it's, it's little things like that. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. Uh, it's not uh, the offense is going to be the stronger part of their game this season. Um, and w- and with Doc, to finish off my thought on him a little bit, with his wrist, there's a reason why he didn't score too many goals. It's because of that. So if he his wrist is strengthened back up and recovered, his shot will be recovered. And then if it's, if he's able to shoot properly, defenses are going to have to defend on that as well which makes it a little bit easier for him to make the passes that he wants to make because now they're not just cheating to the pass. It's these little things. So I'm expecting 
a better year out of him. I'm not saying it's going to be a 60, 70 point season, but if by the end of the year, Kirby Doc is able to play second line minutes, uh, he has about 45% on the faceoff dot, and he has somewhere close to 50 points. I think that's a huge win. Oh, I mean, I would even say if he has anywhere between 35 and 45, that's a, a huge win considering uh, he only had 23 points last year playing, you know, all over the place. Um, yeah. I think consistency and confidence. Another thing that goes with his wrist injury and you were saying about his shot is the confidence. Yeah. He, if he gets his confidence back in his shot, uh, you're going to see those goals go up because at first they will be, they will be cheating the pass. Right. So. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Dog. Hold on. Suzuki is just working away. Someone must be at the door. Uh, Yeah, my sister just came. Um, So, uh, you know, they will be cheating the pass because they're like, oh, this guy's going to pass. He has no confidence in his shot. And then he's going to start shooting. They're going to be like, oh, shit. Now he has confidence. You know what I mean? So it's going to be it's going to be a different year. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of changes and a lot of players. And if the Canadians are big on the development, like they say they want to be, it's only going to get better for Doc uh, next year. Now, staying with that idea of the centers, with Monaghan coming in, I mean, he just had his his first introduction to the Montreal media there the other day with the Habs TV uh, bit where he was eating plain unbuttered toast for breakfast i was disappointed i expected the uh, montreal canadian symbol and the toast like the toaster makes there like the canadians toaster makes and they didn't have that so to me it's that's a that's a that's a miss by the canadians i don't think i think they they avoided doing that because by if they did that the toast wouldn't have been boring enough <laughs> i don't know why you gotta play up the boys why are you eating toast like why did someone say oh eat some toast so we can take a picture of it if anyone's followed uh monahan at all over the last few years or been on twitter there's a boring monahan twitter account and the uh the joke is that monahan is just a boring guy and i think he's playing up to that like he he plays into that hand like this is just one of those things people call me boring Eh, let's have fun with it I think that's what he's doing with that. And he's continuing it. Sure. Sure. At the very least, it's still more exciting than the last guy to wear number 91. Who was the last guy to wear 91? Gomez. Gomez. Yes. Scott Gomez. Wow. At least he only got He's almost got as many goals. Yeah, he's almost got as many goals. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get uh, a shot at uh, McLean's Pub for every goal at uh, Monaghan scores. Uh, hopefully, it's more than two or three. Oof. I'm hoping for a thirty goal season. Uh, but but going back to centers, uh, yeah, they have five. But don't forget, Monaghan probably won't even be playing until the first of November, so he's going to miss probably the first two three weeks of the season. Uh, so that'll give a chance for, you know, Suzuki, Dvorak, um, 
everyone to to get their game going, and then Monahan will come in, and I think there'll be a rotation of in and outs with Evans and whoever else. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I think Monahan's going to play a lot of wings. There's going to be a lot of movement there. Like I don't know if Montreal is going to get rid of someone, but they they have way too many wingers. And if Monahan and Doc are going to flip back and forth to the wing, depending on what team they're playing, and you know, blah blah blah. Uh, something's got to give because they got way too much money that's going to be sitting in a press box doing nothing, especially if guys like Joel Armia and uh, Paul Byron, when he gets back, uh, uh, Mike Huffman, Dadanov, you got all these guys who probably should be playing on the third line that are going to have to be like, well, we don't have room on the third line for you because – I mean, the Slavkovsky makes the team. There's another winger that's going to be Yelonen. Uh, I mean, we're going to get into this, but, uh, you know, there's all these, either something got to give now or because, and we'll get into it later because we're going to talk about the, okay. but staying with Monaghan though, staying with this Monaghan. is the thing that we'll get to the forwards here in a minute, yeah. but staying with Monaghan, there's talk that, okay, now that Monaghan's here, uh, Dvorak is expendable, which sure I can see that. If Monahan has a good season, I can see that. But if Monahan has a good season, aren't we? Aren't the Canadians better off trading him when he's having a good year to get some of the yeah. f- get some prospects and whatever else they can get versus signing him to a longer term deal, it, just in case you know he doesn't really repeat that next year or the year after, like how, how many years does he want in a deal? How much money does he need? At least with Dvorak, you know, you know what the term is, you know what the heck of the cap it is. Uh, he's a little bit younger. He, you know, that you got a two way guy who can, who can support the younger centerman by taking some of that defensive uh, time away. Whereas with Monaghan, you're just not sure. So if he has a good year, why not just trade him? Well, uh, I know there's been ever since we got Monahan, there was this talk that oh, we should sign him long term. We need to sign him long term. We got Monahan. Monahan hasn't been the same. Monahan had one really good season. Let's let's be honest here. Like Monahan had the thirty goal season and whatever it was, and he hasn't really done anything since. Well, it hasn't really well, done anything. He's had a couple of thirty goal years, and he's yeah. been a twenty goal scorer almost every year. Yeah, uh, he's when he was healthy, he was a seventy point two way center. When he was healthy, but that's that's when he my was point. Healthy. He hasn't been healthy in a while, right? Yeah. So I mean, if you look, uh, I mean, you look at Monahan. He had two thirty-goal seasons, three. Uh, well, I guess yeah. I guess I suppose eighty-two points is his highest point. But other than that, eighty-two point season, his highest was sixty-four. So, I mean, is he going to get back to that? He's an on average, he averages fifty-seven points, twenty-six goals in eighty-two games. Um, and he hasn't played 82 games since 2016-17. So well, let's, for for the sake of argument, we'll say that at the come trade deadline, it's two days before the trade deadline, uh, the next game for the Canadians is after the trade deadline, and he sits at 15 goals and 35 points. If someone trade. offers you a first-round pick, trade him. Or even a B-level prospect or, or, or an A-level prospect, trade him. Some combination, yeah. 
Because, because I mean, you can sit there and say, unless they have an extension already in the works before the trade deadline, uh, you have no idea what he's. Maybe he doesn't want to play in Montreal. Maybe he doesn't want to play for a rebuilding team. You know, Monahan's a. Uh, he's twenty eight years old. He's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine year veteran. You know what I mean? Like injury prone. Like what a pl- Yeah, he hasn't maybe won a cup wants- yet. Maybe he wants to win a cup. Maybe he wants to go to Colorado or someone who's going to, you know, whatever. But there's, at least with Dvorak, you know exactly what you're getting for the next three years. And you have him for the next three years. You have him right up to you should be a contender. And then you can decide on Dvorak, like, well, do we want to keep him or do we want to get rid of him to bolster, you know, what we already have? Um and, the Canadians already the Canadians already got a first round pick for just taking him on. If they're able correct. to trade him and get another, that's I mean that's a home run for picks. Hughes. Yeah. 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 And then another thing is Dvorak, according to uh Dumont, uh Mark Dumont was the highest uh offensive forward of the Canadians under Mark Saint Louis when he came back from the injury. He could be capable of more than a 40-point season. I mean, he was injury-hampered. He came into a new system. Uh, yeah. We all know that a lot of the players weren't happy with Ducharme's system. According to Ducharme, he didn't know what direction the team really wanted him to go. Um, Being the coach, yeah. he should be the one setting that. While he was trying to win games, he didn't realize that they didn't care about winning games. I mean, after a, winning. After a while. After a yeah. while. Anyway, whatever. I, you know, I, Ducharme will be back in the NHL with someone, at least as an assistant coach somewhere. I'm not worried about Ducharme. But, uh, you know, everything was kind of, it wasn't a happy locker room. And, uh, you know, we both play sports. If you don't have a good locker room, nobody's, not that nobody tries, but the, the effort just isn't as there. And I'm not saying anyone didn't put the effort in, but, and Dvorak had injury issues. He had multiple injuries and missed multiple time, different times with injuries. And then when he finally come back after, I think his concussion was the last one, wasn't that the, the hit yeah, to the was, head yeah. there in front of the net? Yeah. Uh, and he played under Martin St. Louis. I, like everybody else, totally different game, totally different player. Everything was improved. Um, so there's no reason to think that that won't continue. Um, with Monaghan, I mean, if you got Monaghan on pace for – back to what he was of old, like, I'm not saying he's going to get 30 goals, but if he comes back after missing three weeks and he's on pace for 30 goals, on pace for 70 point, 80 points, why would you keep them when you can guarantee get a first-round pick for him? On a rebuilding and maybe even team. a 2023. Yeah, uh, on a rebuilding team. You know what I mean? You're rebuilding. Yeah. You're, you're, not yeah. trying, you're not trying to contend tomorrow, right? Especially now with Carey Price probably not in the picture. You don't even have a goaltender. so going forward so you know you really got to look at it as and i mean a lot of people a lot of people say yeah but if he if he's playing this good you're not guaranteed he's going to play that good next year you're not guaranteed he's not going to go out next year and after four games bust his hip again or get another injury he's an injury prone player right and uh especially the last three years uh and he's hitting 30 he's going to be 30 at the beginning of 23 24 
So his age doesn't match up with the Canadians' core. I, mm-hmm. I know the Habs need some veteran help, but you don't need high-priced veteran help. You don't need a guy you're spending yeah. five and a half to seven million dollars on to be a veteran leader. Correct. I mean, you, you want a guy like what Stahl was, uh, uh, 21, 22, uh, the year they went to the cup, 2021. Uh, you want what, what Stahl was or what Corey Perry was. That's what you want. A guy you're going to pay maybe 2 million tops for two years, maybe two maximum years. Who's just there to help put that team over the edge, maybe, or he's that tipping point on the team to get them to that, get them to their goal. Um, you don't want a guy who's going to sign five, six years at five and a half million dollars at the low end. I mean, because if he's on pace for 30 goals, 70 points, why would he want the same contract that he already has? He's going to sit there and go, well, look at me. I'm, I'm the same guy I was five years ago. I made six and a half pace. million. I made six and a half million dollars then. I want yep. six and a half. I want seven now because this guy over here, he gets seven and he did the same. He did what I did. Right. So, and then that, then you're in the situation that you're in right now. You have too many high priced people uh, that are taking up spots of guys that you need to really put in there. And there's no cap left to sign the younger guys like uh, Caulfield, for instance, Barron's going to need a contract in, in another year or so. Uh, these are, these are guys that you need to extend. Doc will need a contract, uh, you know, on and on and on. So, you're going to have to replace Edmondson. You're going to have to replace yeah. uh, in the next couple of years. You're going to have to place Weidman in the next couple of years. You could, you know, you have Gooley, all these guys that are coming in this year, they're all going to need contracts for the next two years. So that's why you have to kind of think three or four years down the line. Sure. If the guy's doing well, it makes sense now, but what about two years yeah. from now? So if you can get something of value in return now, do it. Because, uh, I mean, it's not like there isn't, like like we said, there's there's uh, Dvorak that's there. Doc is still going to be progressing. Uh, you've got Beck coming up. I mean, there's 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 a relief. Not to mention, who are they going to pick with all these first-round picks? Like, the, um, the Habs are expected to pick in the top 10. If they do, I think eight of the, of the 10 players in the top 10 this year are centers. So and almost- there, there's another center. And almost everyone in this year's top 10 could potentially be in the NHL next year because it's that deep of a draft. Potentially yeah. could. We say that now. We'll see in March, April. But uh, that's the thing. Like you have this depth of centers that are coming up, the picks that they have, yeah. they're able to get even more. Do you really want to spend five, six million dollars on a, a center who's going to be 30 soon? And if Monaghan doesn't play well, his contract's up at the end of the year and you let him walk or you sign that him or, to a Corey Perry type deal. Or you trade him and say, Hey, what, well, you know, Oh, we'll give you a second round pick. All right. We'll take the second round pick. Sure. Take there whatever you, you can. Yeah. Yeah. And if no one wants him, you let him walk. Like there's, there's no, um, there's no real downside. No. And I mean, like you said, if he does play mediocre, he plays okay. He's, whatever, but he really helps with the development of Doc and maybe Suzuki even, or a couple, you sit there and say, you know what, we'll give you two years at one and a half. You know what I mean? Let's take it in Yeah, Sure. Sign him. But you don't have to get rid of Dvorak if you do that. So. No, you don't. And that kind of brings us to the forward situation that you were alluding to earlier. 
Mm. The Canadians have 16 NHL forwards, 15, 16, anyway, 16. 15 or 16, 16 under NHL contract. Then you have the rookies. So Slavkovsky is one, uh, Yelonen, uh, Harvey Pinard. These, these are guys that could compete for NHL jobs, I but even... there's just too many, too many NHL contracted forwards. And there's too many NHL contracted forwards making above $3 million playing bottom six minutes. That's all the the middle, that middle tier of players that are making like the two to four and a half million. Like, I mean, you have, uh, you have Huffman at four and a half million. You have Byron at three and a half, who's the end of the year. He's, he's, he's either gone. His contract's over anyway. You have Armia at three and a half, who still has another year left on his contract. You have, uh, you know, Dvorak's around $4 million. Uh, you know, you have all these guys, yeah, Gallagher, $6.5 million, and he's probably going to play on the third one, um, third or second, depending. Um, you know, you have all the – Drew in $5.5 million. Uh, but, again, he's an expiring contract. Um, so you have all these guys making all this big bucks playing, you know, bottom six. Middle of the pack. Middle yeah. of the pack. And you have guys like uh, Yelonen. He needs to start, you know, he, you got to start giving him the chance to, to show what he can do. He, I thought he did well when he was in the NHL last year, when the, the, the uh, 12 or 13 games he played in. He got five yep. points, a couple goals. Uh, his shot looked good. Yes, he had some work to do, but that's fine. You know, you, you progress. Uh, Slavkowski, if he comes in and blows away camp and he's the guy everyone thinks he's going to be, there's your 17th forward on the, on, on, on the roster. Uh, uh, Jan Mysak, who's been having an excellent, uh, excellent season, he could potentially come in and, but he's a center. You already have five centers. Where is he going to go? Right. Uh, you know, Harvey Pernard. Is Harvey Pernard ready to step it up and, uh, and, and be an NHL winger? Uh, on, but he, Harvey after Pernard, his season, Harvey, after his season Harvey, last year, he had, uh, he led the team in points in Laval. I think he is ready to compete for that, that spot. And he's a perfect bottom six player for the Montreal Canadiens. Michael Pizzetta. Pizzetta's on an NHL contract. He's one of the 16, but he's a good fourth line player. That's going to, not afraid to drop the gloves, not afraid to throw the body, not afraid to get dirty. Um, uh, I I can't think of anyone else really right now, but you have, I mean, then you have all the guys that, uh, that, that, that are going to be coming up within the next year. You have like your, your kidneys and your was and your, uh, and your uh, uh, Condetta and your uh, Heinemann there that they got from Calgary. Teasdale. Teasdale. Uh, Teasdale, another guy, if he's healthy, if he can stay healthy, he could be a guy that can, uh, can Maybe can push, maybe, maybe. But with all this glut of forwards where there's no room for these guys, and now you're, you're keeping them down, like Harvey Pinard, you're keeping him down in Laval, where he probably should be starting doing his NHL development or start doing his NHL, you know, he, there's nowhere for him to go unless, some, you know, unless someone gets injured. Now, Byron, one of the 16, he's going to be probably on LTIR till Christmas. Um, maybe. There's no word out, but that, that's the rumor. Um, so if there's, even then, it doesn't give you a spot. It doesn't give you a place to put anyone. It's just, you know. Yeah, you're... You- what would be helpful is if they had a little bit of an opening there where they were able to rotate these young guys in, in and out. Cause maybe they're, 
maybe they're not quite ready, but you want to give them that chance. So you, you bring them up, you let them play a couple of games in a, a top nine role on the wing. Yeah. You let them, you give them a few games and then you send them back down because you want to take advantage of this, uh, the waiver exemption. Cause yeah. Yelonen's going to be waiver exempt. I think for about half the season, then he hits his games mark Same, you know, and the same thing will go with all the other guys that are yeah. going to be coming up and down. So not to mention you got massive holes on defense and all these forwards. Maybe it's time to trade a couple just to get something to throw on the blue line. Well, I mean, they're desperate need of a right-handed defenseman. Uh, unless they really yeah. feel Barron's going to be the guy. Um, and again, they have to really feel that he's going to be the guy. Uh, they really only have two right-handed defensemen. That's it. I mean, Shuneman can play both sides. Jack Eye can play both sides if he makes the team. Uh, Edmondson. Edmondson can play both sides, but Edmondson's much better on the left. Um but you don't just you don't want to do that, especially if it's going to be a second line right-handed D. Is what you're looking for. Well, a Canadian second line, second pairing right-handed D, not a real second contending. Pairing. Yeah, contending. You know, when I say Canadians, I mean Matheson and Savard are your second line, really your second pair. Um, you know, but in Montreal, but, but in Montreal they're your first pair. So. Um, the only one that's really and on defense, I mean, you know, we're getting ready for boards. The only one that's really where he exactly should be is Edmondson. Edmondson's on the second line, left-handed defenseman, perfect spot for him. He can play that. He can do that. Yeah. Weidman, third pairing, perfect right-handed guy, power play, perfect spot for him. He can do that. Everybody else is not where they should be. So, um, but you're absolutely right. If you can take that forward group, um, and, you know, Armia had a good world championship. Maybe you can lean on that and say, hey, we got a guy here, Joel Armia. He has, uh, after this year, only has one year left on his contract. Uh, we'll eat half of it. You know what I mean? Uh, and But we want this right-handed too. It doesn't have to be a second-pairing guy, but it, it can be a guy that can fit in Montreal's second-pairing, and that gives Barron that uh, chance to, and a guy that they can put as a seventh defenseman. So say Barron hits his stride and takes the, the bull by the horns. And well, now you have this, you have an extra defenseman. Great. You know what I mean? And it's, it's no, like Matt, I know they got Madison Bowie, but I think Madison Bowie, the Laval, uh, um, most of the veterans they have in Laval are not coming back. So he, I think he's a, a Laval, uh, depth guy. Yeah. Um, Cause so, the, uh, the, the Canadians management group rightfully are looking to, the the AHL as a development league and the best yeah. way to develop your young guys is to give them a competitive team and that's exactly what they're providing yeah. in Laval. Yeah. They're doing the exact opposite of what they did before the <laughs> wow when old Dufresne was there. Uh or Lefebvre, sorry, when Lefebvre was there. Dufresne <laughs> come out five hundred well, I... feet of shit the other side. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this forward group, they have, I mean, personally, I would love to see Huffman go somewhere, but at four and a half million for what he actually provides, I just don't see it. Well, I mean, I, you know what? You never know. If someone's looking for a good offensive guy for the power play, Huffman's your guy. But then again, he didn't yeah, do much well, for our power play. So I don't know. 
But I don't know, was that Huffman or was that was ever run in the power play? I don't think the power play was that good, but Hoffman didn't do much to improve Make it. it. Improve and you it. can't really exactly. blame him for that. You can't really. No, but. But this year should be different. This year should be different. They're starting fresh under new coaches for the most part. Um, so there should be a different look to the power play, should have a different feel. The, the, the funny thing is, 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 is going to the forward group is at the trade deadline, you possibly are going to lose four of them, <laughs> right? So now we're, we're going on yeah. that, oh, we got too many. But at the deadline, you have Dadanoff, Byron, Druin, and uh, Monaghan. All free agents. All probably, could prob- will probably, at least three of them will be on the move. And uh, I'm about 90% sure that all four will move. I, I am as well. I think all four will move. Um, the only one that I actually, the only one I think might not move is Byron, and that's because of his injury history. Um, but that's yeah, sure, and, and that's the only reason why. Um, but if all four move, well, then you have four. But then it's too late because, like you said, the way the way some guys, unless they wait until then to bring these guys up, they won't have their waiver exemption because they have too many games in. Um, so it's really. I guess the best we can hope for for players to come up is people to get injured, <laughs> which is which you hate to say because you don't want anyone to get injured. You don't want anyone to get hurt, but. I can't see the injury bug hitting them as hard this year as it did last year. I mean, they set NHL yeah. records for man games lost last year, but the way they have their forward group, so many people under contract, even if they did, they, they'd be set. They're, they're a little bit better off depth wise like there's no beyond suzuki and caulfield right now there's no um nhl contracted player who looks like they could be a first line player no now slavkovsky i'm not counting him in this one he's a rookie two yes he signed his entry-level deal but he hasn't played yet so we're not really counting him in that group there's a chance he could become that first line player but i think putting that kind of pressure on a on this kid now too much so for this year suzuki and caulfield are the only two guys that i would say are legitimately capable of playing first line as first line players everybody else at best is a second line at best best. and i i would even narrow that down to anderson (laughs) yeah yeah doc I i can see him possibly being there so there's two more guys the rest third liners yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I'm kind of with you on Doc, but I think he needs a year to prove himself first. Like, yeah. I'm, if I'm talking next year, you have two first liners and one second liner, and everyone else is a third liner or below. Personally, I mean, you could you could argue Druin could play on the second line, but he's a fifty point guy. Yeah, I guess. I guess now. This kind of brings me to um, our training camp predictions. So we're talking about all these forwards. We're talking about the need for defense. Training camp is about to start with the rookie camp here soon, which I'm going to be really interested to watch because a part of the rookie camp is that rookie tournament in Buffalo. And I really want to see how Messar plays and how uh, how Slavkovsky shows he belongs 
me, my sack, the, all these guys are showing up. So rookie wise come training camp, what do you, what do you expect? What is your prediction? Rookie wise, I see Slavoski making the team out of the gate. Uh, whether he stays with the team is up for debate. I don't think he's going to start on the first line. Um, and I, I'm going to go back to the, I don't know if you watched the behind the scenes thing with Habs TV yeah. about the yeah. draft, but uh, Bob Rob made a good comment. He's the guy that started on the fourth line with Slovakia, but nobody in his words was carrying the mail, right? He moved up to that first line and all of a sudden that whole first line was carrying the mail. Like that, basically when he moved to the first line, he improved that entire first line, just being on it. Um, because he's the guy that wants to make the difference. He's the guy that, wait, shit's not going right. I want to be the guy that changes that. So, like, I, I know what you said about the pressure, but it seems to me like he's the guy that wants the pressure. He's the guy that wants to, like, when they asked him the question, what do you know about Montreal? He said, when everything's going good, right? they love you when everything's not going good. Well, not so much. Right. And they said, how do you feel about that? And he said, well, I just have to play good. You know what I mean? Like he's like, and, and, and uh, from what we heard at our seminar, when we were at the draft, when they asked him the question about uh, if he wants to go first of all, he just said, I don't care where I'm picked. I just want to be the best player. Yeah. To me, that attitude if that conveys on the ice, there's, there's no reason why he won't make the team. Um, yeah. It's a good, it's a good attitude to have when you're yeah. in Montreal, because that's the kind of attitude that would do well there. Correct. Yes. Um, but other than him, because of so many forwards in that, I don't see too many rookies uh, on forward making the team defense. Yeah. I can see a guy like Arbor Jack guy making the team. Um Caden Gooley, uh, you know, I think when we've discussed this on multiple shows, there's going to be a rotation of those young guys between Laval and, and Montreal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Gooley is going to be a big part of that rotation. And I know that he had an injury and I'm going to, I'm addressing JD's question from our, our live. Uh, there's no timeline that was given on his return from an injury. Uh, however, the expectation is he's going to be ready for training camp. And the same thing goes with Logan Mayu. Now, the expectation is not that Mayu will be at the rookie camp. He's not under contract. So Mayu will be going to London and dealing, just staying there and doing their thing. I think he's at their camp. I don't, I'm not 100% sure if he's played any preseason games or not. But uh, for, for Gooley, at the very least, he's expected to be ready to compete come rookie camp uh thing with my it's going to be interesting in mayu because i can he play in the uh in the rookie tournament if he's not under contract no okay so i wasn't because i know he's been visibly doing montreal canadian things uh and showing up at events representing the montreal canadians this summer he was at the, the big country concert with suzuki and anderson uh he's been at other things so uh he'll be an interesting uh person to look at yeah, but I, I i i think he needs a year in london anyway so I, it, regardless of whether yeah. he can go to these these camps or not he's not making the team so 
whether they sign him to a contract tomorrow or whatever, he, he needs a year in London regardless because he hasn't had a full yes. year. He hasn't had a full season in two years. He hasn't played more than 20 games a season in two years. So I don't think he's played at, I don't think he's even played 20 games. <laughs> uh, he, I think he's got I, maybe 30 games total in two years. Well, he has, I think he had 12 last year and I think he played 13 in Sweden. So whatever I'm guesstimating there, but yeah. so there's like 25 to 30 games total that, that, in two years. That, he needs, that's what I'm he saying, needs yeah. more time. He, he yeah. needs more. He needs, he needs way more time. Yeah. So regardless LeMayu, whether he shows up to these camps or doesn't show up to these camps, it's not going to matter. He is not walking onto that team. So, uh, yeah, no. And now the rotation on the left D that's, that's going to be an interesting one. Harrison Gooley, uh, I think are going to be, uh, in a heavy rotation there. Arbor Jack is an interesting one. You mentioned him. I really like his game because he, he doesn't just play physical. He is mean. mean. He, he wants to hurt you when you play, so you're yeah. scared of him. He makes um, you think twice about coming up his side of the ice. Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, if how he adjusts to the speed of the game, we'll see how he does against uh, the in the rookie turn because yeah. that's that's not junior anymore. That's all the best yeah. players from junior who have taken a step up. So we'll see how he adjusts there. But I think give him a little bit of time; he'll be heavy in that rotation by the end of the year as well. Yeah. Now, Arbor Jacki was a late cut from last year's camp uh, because he played very well. And he did very, very well in Montreal's camp. They just didn't think he was ready to take the next step. Uh, so, I mean, I, you know me, I'm heavy on Arbor Jacki. I really think he's going to be a, a bright spot in the future of the Canadians. Uh, I think he's one of those hidden gems that Montreal picked up only because of his overall game. Um I mean, he even picked up his offense in the OHL playoffs last year. I don't think he's going to be this big offensive guy, but um, he's the guy you need on the team. He, he's a guy you need, yeah. especially now that you don't have Romanoff. You don't have this big heavy hitter on the team. Uh, issues I'm, he's going to have is the speed of the game and his discipline. Uh, he's very, See, he's very undisciplined in the OHL. Very undisciplined. Undisciplined in the OHL. I. The OHL has been doing a lot of these crackdowns on certain plays and certain methods of play. Yeah, the whole sleepy time thing, getting suspended for that. Yeah. That's stuff that would not be penalized in the NHL or in the pro ranks. And having said that, when he did that sleepy thing, once he knew the guy was knocked out, he stopped punching. When they got in that fight, and that guy, he hit him, and that guy went down like a bag of. But he did flour. do the sleepy time after. But he 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 stopped. To me, a yep. really undisciplined guy, he keeps going until the rest break it up. He stopped, and then as he skated off, he did his little, which to me is who cares. Meh. Well, he'd he'd answer he'd answer for that in the next fight for you know showing up his opponent yeah. at the NHL level, sure. But uh, the undisciplined part, I. I just see it as the OHL being very strict in its calls versus what the NHL would do. It's with, true, but he, with him, he did take a few bad penalties last year that were uncalled. Oh, of course, he, he did pick course, a fight. All, when all he, he did they pick a fight at the wrong, and they and they all do. I mean, his thing's going to be the speed, and like I said, I was talking to Steve Steos, who, if you're listening, Steve, yeah. I messaged you to get on the show. Um, 
uh, he mentioned that that will be his. He thinks Arbor Jack. He, he told me Arbor Jack guy has never been cut from like cut from anything. Every camp he's gone to, except last year with Montreal, but they all expected to, he expected to be cut from that. He wasn't expecting to make the team. Uh, he says he's the guy that gives 110% at everything he does. Everything he does, he gives 110%. And he said he, uh, there's no quit in him. And he says he's just the guy that you're going to love on your team. You're going to love, the, you know, in the dressing room, on the ice, you know, you're not going to have this whole primo just got, or uh, who was it? Uh, Montebo just got bowled over by this guy and everyone just looked around and watched. No, he's going to settle that and he's going to settle it pretty fucking quick. So sorry, YouTube, yeah. for the swearing live. But uh, um, but you're again, there's, the guys children. Ahead, there's, there's guys ahead of him on the death trap. Harris, Gooley, Shuneman, I'll even throw Shuneman in. Yeah. There. Um, so he's going to have to really step up his game to get there. And a guy like Yolonen, who I think should Personally, I think he should be starting with the NHL this year, but there's just no room for him. He's going to have oh, to. There's too many forwards. Yeah, he's going to have to really outplay a lot of people, uh, and it's unfortunate because guys like Armia and Huffman, I'd rather have Yolan in there than Armia and Huffman. I'd rather have you know if you go, Yolan's only going to get me 13 points. I'd rather it be him than Armia. Yeah, yeah. Personally. No, I agree. I agree uh, because you're doing the rebuild. Yeah. Why not have the young guys play? And yeah. to JD's point in the live, he mentioned that Jack Eye reminds him of Alex C. Emlin. And exactly. I, I see that. Yeah. I see that. Yeah, I've, I've, I've compared him to him, Emlin, a few times. Um, Except this is a guy who can fight, unlike Emlin, who had the metal plate in his face. Th- this is a guy who will fight. <laughs> yeah. But Emlin, again, Emlin had a metal plate in his face, which is why he didn't fight. So not that I think Emlin was a big fighter anyway, but whatever. Um, Although he, Emlyn is still doing things to help the Canadians because you see him in the KHL uh, prior to the season, he took out Mitchkov, who's going to be out injured for a little while. So mm-hmm. maybe Mitchkov slides down a little bit into the draft and lands in the Canadians' lap, thanks to Alexi Emlyn. Alexi Emlyn. <laughs> Once a Canadian, always a Canadian. But uh, but yeah, I think Jack to me. Jack Guy is going to be the guy you need, you need to look out for. Gooley, Harris, you know they're going to have NHL time. You, you know it. You know, right? Whether it be at the beginning of the season, one of them is going to be there at the beginning of the season. Uh, but they're going to be there. Barron's going to be there. Barron's probably going to start the season with Montreal. See where he goes. Yeah. Unless yeah. unless they have a really shitty camp, that's the only reason I, I can see them not not being there. Barron, based on the fact they have no right-handed defenseman. Um, but also he played well when he was there in the last 10 games in the 10 games he played with Montreal last season. So, you know, like you gotta give the guy his, his dues. Like you can't sit there and say, Oh, you played well, but now you're really going to earn it. Well, I thought I just did. You know what I mean? Like, and uh, that, that is kind of the reason why I think they're not going to go out looking for, uh, a defenseman to put under contract prior to the season. They want to have him play in his, uh, play in the camp, see how he does. They might sign a couple guys to a PTO uh, for the defense. They, they may not, uh, but if or an expiring everything contract. goes, yeah. But if nothing goes the way they want it to go in camp, they're the first pick in the waiver wire. There's going to be a yeah. ton of players on the waiver wire, especially with this flat cap. There's going to be a lot of 
pretty good names that are probably going to be put on that waiver wire that the Canadians could pick up. They get the first pick. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if things aren't going the way they want it to go, they'll just grab one or two guys off that waiver wire. And sorry, Baron, sorry, you guys are going to the Laval work on your game down there. Once you, we see you improving in Laval, we'll bring you up and throw this guy. We got on waivers back on waivers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So we're pretty much near the end of our time because you got you got stuff you need to get done. It's close to an hour now. Um, so any final thoughts? No, expect Montreal, like I said earlier, to have a really good offensive year. I think you're going to see some guys really pick their game up this year offensively. Uh, I think you see. I think you're going to see Suzuki, both Suzuki and Caulfield, uh, get close to where we think they're going to be. Um, so yeah, I I just think, but don't expect too much. Like don't don't expect. Uh, you know, I think Montreal is going to be one of those teams that could come out of the gate really well, and then fizz right off is what I, what I think is going to happen. And. Uh, just be patient with the team. It's going to be an exciting team, but uh, keep your expectations low. And even though price isn't going to be there, there's, I think their offense can keep them in that top ten. I, I still don't think they're. I don't think they're a top five drafting team. I don't think they're going to finish in the bottom five. I really don't. Um, they might. They might. They might. It depends on who's hurt, when they're hurt, yeah. how long they're out, who they trade, who they keep. That's that kind of thing. But but definitely top ten. So my, I guess my final thought yeah. is. Keep your expectations low and just enjoy the season. So it's like that mad TV show, Lowered Expectations. Correct. <laughs> That's the worst dating site ever. Unless you've been on found, Tinder. So I've heard. My, That's how my wife found me. She lowered her expectations and this is what she got. She's been regretting yeah. it ever since. They always do, don't they? Yeah. Oh, well. There's two doors. So she, can, she, she can go out either one of them. Uh, all right. And for me, uh, for a final thought on this, uh, I'm expecting, like you, to see a, an improved offensive output. Defensively and goaltending-wise, I think they're going to drag the team down to the that top 10 pick. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say the power play is going to drastically improve to 17% by the end of the year. Yes. Which would still put them, I think, in the bottom third. But still, they're not the dead last power play anymore. They'll be, yeah. I don't know, 22nd? That's there we go. Yeah, I'll say points, around 22nd. That's, that's four points higher than last year. And who knows? Maybe a couple of those power play goals will be the difference in winning a few more games. Get around 30 wins this year. I know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but hey, you know, they had uh, last year, it, like it give, 21, 21, 22. It, it, it would be an improvement over last year, but it would still give you that bottom 10 or that top 10 pick. Yeah. So, so that's it for me. Uh, and I want to thank everyone who's checked into our live, who have sent us these comments. Uh, Ellen Keefe, thank you for uh, sending us that message on Logan Mayu, saying that he still has the shoulder injury and he is still out. Uh, We really appreciate that. 
people who are on the ground in all these different towns across Canada and the United States, Europe, uh, keep sending us this information, keep sending us these text messages, these emails. We love hearing from you guys. We love interacting with you. Again, this is what makes it fun. And the uh, the Montreal Canadiens community as a whole is a great one to interact with. Uh, be sure to check out other podcasts like uh, Tony Marinero Show, which we've both had the opportunity to join. Uh, Locked on Canadians, Happy Hour, uh, the boys, the boys over at um, uh, Gibby and Lewis are back with Vinny. So go check them out. Um, Raw Knuckles. Raw Knuckles. Raw Knuckles podcast with uh, Chris and uh, Matt, Mike, Matt, Mike. Yeah. Mike. Tim. <laughs> Tim. That's it. Tim Stapleton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible with names, Tim. Just don't. don't uh, yeah. Don't so, yeah. So the boys at, at uh, Have a Listen, Raw Knuckles, all that. Go, go listen to a bunch of different shows. Enjoy it. Have fun with it interact with everybody it's that's what makes this whole thing fun uh this year is not going to be that great on the ice so we should all just kind of stick around and enjoy it so again thank you all for listening and remember if you were talking about it so are we Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.